put out into the deep. Put out into the deep, Jesus said. Peter was on the shore, or he had been anyways. He was in the shallows when Christ gave him that command, put out into the deep. And he had been in those shallow waters all night long. He had been throwing his net into the shallow waters of the Lake of Gennesaret, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee. Peter had been in the shallow waters all night long, throwing the nets out and pulling them back, throwing the nets out and pulling them back, throwing the nets out and pulling them back. Fishing on the Sea of Galilee wasn't something you did for fun. I mean, maybe you could have, but Peter and his crew, James and John and who knows how many others, and quite a few of the men of the region around the Sea of Galilee made it their business. It wasn't a hobby at least not for Peter, it was business. And on that night, it had been rather poor business at that. Poor business, bad business, is never fun, is it? That's especially true if your business requires heavy labor. And I think we would all agree that fishing, the kind of fishing that Peter and James and John and all the rest, the kind of fishing that they were doing was not, you know, throw out a bobber, crack open a beer, and kick your feet up. It was hard work. Those nets were not light, and they weren't powered by solar energy. They weren't powered by batteries. They weren't powered by gasoline. They were powered by that good old-fashioned power, muscle. Lats and traps and biceps and triceps and quads and hammies and forearms and calves. Peter and his crew knew about hard work. They knew about muscle work. They threw themselves into their work, quite literally. That's how fishermen fished in those days. The nets would have been round, and there would have been some kind of a rope going around the outside, and as you throw that net out and you pull back on the rope, the net net would enclose. And you do that over and over and over and over trapping whatever's inside, taking it captive, pulling it up from the shallows. And there, once the fish got into the boats, they would gasp their last breaths before being chopped up and taken to market. That was the life of a fisherman, to take what was living and to make it dead and to sell it for money. Now, like any hard laborers, those fishermen knew how to maximize efficiency, right? You learn some tricks of the trade when you've been fishing your whole life, and when your dad and your dad's dad and your dad's dad's dad, you get the point, they knew how to make the most out of the least. So why throw your nets into the deeps? Why throw your nets down into the depths where you have to drag up all those fish from 50, 60 feet down when you can just wait for the fish to come into the shallows and then you only have to pull them in, I don't know, 8, 10 feet. That strategy had the added bonus of working when the sun went down, since it was in the night when the fish came up from the depths and schooled in the shallows. But Jesus undoes all of that. Put out, he says, into the deep. Put out into the deep, Peter. That voice had been speaking all morning. That voice had been thrown out from Peter's keel across the shallows. That voice had caught hold of the people on the shoreline. Like Peter and his crew, the Lord Jesus knew a thing or two about working and working hard. He knew what it was to labor. He knew what it was to catch hold of something. 
not fish being pulled in, but men and women, parents and children. And when Jesus' word caught a hold of you, it was a little bit different, wasn't it? For instead of going from living in the depths to gasping for air in a boat, when Jesus' word gets a hold of a person, they come to life. Not breathing for the last time, but breathing for the first time. But now the sermon was over, right? He had been preaching all morning, and now it was time for the preacher to sit down. Now it was time for the sermon to be over. Luke's gospel says that the crowds had gathered to hear Jesus speak the word of God, and he certainly did that. He taught probably at great length, probably a lot longer than I teach from this pulpit or even uh, in Bible class. But now, now the preaching was over. Now it was time for Jesus to take a break, for Peter to get a little bit of rest. The sermon was over, right? Well, not really. There's a wonderful progression in our text Today, it says that the people came to hear Jesus teach the word of God. But does Jesus ever stop teaching the word of God? With Jesus, is the sermon ever really over? How can he who is the eternal word, how can he who is the word made flesh ever stop preaching? No, with Jesus, the sermon never ends. His words might cease for a time, but the sermon goes on. In Jesus, we have God's eternal sermon proclaimed from the foundation of the world to the end of time. And so the sermon wasn't over. Yes, Jesus stopped speaking to the crowds there in the shallow, but now he turned and spoke to Peter individually. It's kind of like when you're driving home and pondering, as I'm sure you all do, all of the things you heard in church. And that word that you heard proclaimed to everyone comes home to you and addresses you personally. If you don't do this, you really should start. Because the point of preaching, the point of the 15 to 20 minutes here, the hour in Bible class, is not just to fill up a little bit of time to make the best use of the time, but it is so that that word can be sown in your heart, in your mind, in your ears, so that it can be poured over and pondered, so that the sermon, the word of God, can actually bear fruit in your own life. Put out into the deep, Jesus says. The sermon ended for those on the shore, but now Jesus singles Peter out. Peter, too, had been listening, hadn't he? Not from the shore, but he had been in the boat. He had heard. He had been caught, at least somewhat. He had been encircled in the words of Jesus and had begun to taste what it would be to follow Jesus. But now there's a command. Put out, Peter, into the deep. This wasn't going to be easy. This wasn't going to be efficient, Jesus. This wasn't the way that Peter's dad had taught his boys how to catch fish. This wasn't the way his grandfather had done it. This wasn't the way his great-grandfather had done it. And this certainly wasn't the way that all the other fishermen caught their fish. This wasn't what Peter and his friends were used to. Put out into the deep, Jesus says. Have you ever felt that way about the word of God? That can't be right. Must be a typo. I don't know. That might be kind of hard. That might change my life. What will people think? What will people say if I start doing what's written in Scripture? What will they do? What will they think of me? What will they think of us here at St. Paul's? Have you ever heard the words of Jesus? Have you ever heard the commandments of God and thought to yourself, uh, I'm not so sure? <laughs> I like it in the shallows. 
I don't want to go into the deeps. That's different. That's not what I hear all around me. What will my friends say? What will my parents think? What will the other kids think? You can hear Peter Peter struggle with Christ's command, can't you? What did he say? Yes, Lord, right away. No. What did he say? Master, Master, we've been toiling all night, and we haven't caught anything. And if we let our minds ponder on those words, if we slow down for a minute this morning and reflect and imagine that scene, if we don't rush on too quickly, you can very easily imagine Peter wanting to go on and say to Jesus, you know, it's not a good idea. I know better. I know what really works, Jesus. I've been doing this my whole life. You don't know. I know. You've been there, haven't you? After all, who knows more about your life than you? Who knows more about how to get things done than you, a red-blooded American? Isn't this something of what we pride ourselves on? We are practical people. We are efficient people. We know what will work. We'll get the job done. We pride ourselves on this. We are experts. We are masters. And if we aren't, well, we know who is. Right? And we can turn to the experts, we can turn to the wise, and we can get advice for anything. No one can tell me anything. And hey, if I really do need instruction, that's what the internet was invented for, right? Elijah thought he knew a thing or two. He thought he had it all figured out. Of course, he thought it was all doom and gloom. Did you hear that? I, only me, I'm the only one left, Lord. He thought he knew, but the Lord had other plans. I will leave 7,000 who have not kissed Baal. The Corinthians, they thought they knew too. They thought they had it all figured out. They were sure that the mark of the Christian church was power, that the mark of the Christian church was wisdom. But St. Paul spoke otherwise, didn't he? It is through the folly of what we preach, Christ crucified. It is through the weakness of God, not his strength, that we are saved. Set out into the deep, Jesus says, and let down your nets. Peter struggled. He wavered. But the word of God that he had heard, the word of God that he had been hearing Jesus speak all morning, now worked in him this wonderful statement. Nevertheless, What a great word of faith. Nevertheless, all of my experience, all of the wisdom I have inherited, all of the wisdom of the world around me says, Jesus, it's not going to work. Nevertheless, if you say it, at your word, Jesus, I'll do it. There are no sweeter words for you to learn to say this morning than this. Nevertheless, at your word, Jesus, Learn to say this with your mouth and learn even more to say it with your heart and learn to put that word in your hands and in your feet. Nevertheless, at your word, Jesus, okay. This is the answer to all our nagging fears. This is the answer to all the silly and small and insignificant worries that seem so big to us, all those things that we fear that would paralyze us from following Jesus, that would freeze us in fear. Isn't this what the devil wants to do to Christians? Isn't this what the devil wants to do to the church of Christ? To make large in our minds all the reasons why the word of Jesus shouldn't be followed. 
well, what will people think if you take the word of God so seriously? That won't really work, will it? What will the neighbors say? What will my friends think? What will the community around us say about St. Paul's and about me as a member of St. Paul's? Do I really want to put that little bumper sticker on my car if people know what we believe and what we teach and what we confess? The devil wants to wrap you up in those fears and stick you in a room so secluded from the world that you are frozen, stuck. There is only one way to overcome that kind of paralysis, and it's to learn to say like Peter, at your word, Jesus, at your word, Jesus. So look and see this morning. Look and learn. Look and rejoice what happens at the word of Jesus. Look and let it work in you this morning a bit of courage and conviction for what happens when Jesus speaks a word. The deeps teem with fish. Even as they did on the fifth day of creation long ago when his voice commanded, let the waters teem with living creatures. At the word of Jesus, the deeps are no empty place. It is no fool's errand to go out there, but a miraculous catch. Much, too much even. The boats are sinking now. For where the word of Jesus is, there is not emptiness. Where the word of Jesus is, there is no loss. At the word of Jesus, there is only gain. In fact, now Peter yells back to those other fishermen. What are you doing in the shallows? Get out here in the deeps. This is where the action is. This is where real life is. Make no mistake, little Peters. You 21st century Americans, make no mistake about the word of Jesus and his commandments. What Jesus commands is always good. Learn to take this to heart. Will you look a little weird if you listen to Jesus? Yeah, probably. But do you want to look like the world? Ask yourself that this morning. Do you want to follow in the example of the world or do you want to have the word of Jesus? At the word of Jesus, there is life. Learn to take this to heart. Who cares what the world around you thinks of you? Might you have to be willing to go out into the deeps? Might you have to be willing to try something new and something different? Might the congregation look a little bit different if we go with Jesus in these strange and somewhat terrible times? Almost certainly. But at his word, with the word of Jesus, in the boat with Jesus... You will not be left to humiliation. You will not be left to to shame and contempt and emptiness. But in fact, you will find true life. Peter found a lot more than just a net full of fish, didn't he? He found a lot more out there in the deep water with Jesus. At the word of Jesus, he found not just miracle-working power, for with Jesus, the sermon never ends. We're going to try to take that to heart this morning. With Jesus, the sermon never ends, and thank God it doesn't, for what comes next is even greater than that catch of fish. Lord, Peter says, he doesn't just call him master now, but now that he's seen the miraculous power of the word of Jesus, he upgrades the title, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinner. Peter realized what all those doubts really were. They weren't just weaknesses of his body, but they were failure to trust in the Lord who stood right in front of him. Could you imagine if Jesus were standing in front of you, giving you a command, and you said, I don't know, Jesus, I don't think that's going to work. What an insult that would be to our Lord. Peter realizes what his doubts are. How could he possibly stand now in the presence 
of this Lord. What about you? You know the commandments of Jesus. You have the word written down and fulfilled. Do you dare to suppose that you deserve to stand in the boat with Jesus if Peter can't? Do you dare to think that you could stand fully beside the Lord with your chest puffed out and say, hey, I deserve to be here? But listen now to the word of Jesus. And at his word, find your comfort. Fear not, Jesus says. Fear not, Peter. Fear not, dear Christians. Fear not, Jesus says. Fear not your sins. Fear not your doubts. Fear not your worries. Fear not your anxieties. I know who you are. I know how you think. I know how the little things of this world weigh so heavily on your mind. But fear not. Fear not. What greater words could we hear from Jesus? And at those words, we are caught like Peter was. Yes, with the commandments of Jesus in his law, we must learn to find the true path of wisdom and find the path of obedience. But here, here with these little words, you take to heart the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and learn to believe it. Obedience to his law and trust in his promises, trust in his good news. What was it that Peter found out there in the deeps with Jesus? What will you find as you follow Jesus into the deeps? Not a catch of fish, but the peace of God, a clear conscience, and maybe even a new calling. For Peter, it went like this. From now on, you shall be live-catching men. That's a more literal translation. Catching men doesn't quite get it because the whole point of what Peter is sent out to do is not to take men and women who are alive and to make them dead. That's what happens when you catch a fish, right? You transfer it from life to death. But the mission given to Peter, the mission that still goes on in the church, the mission that has reached out and caught you is to take you into the waters, not to take you out of them, to call you by the power of Christ's gospel to come to the waters of holy baptism and there be buried with Christ and be brought up to life everlasting. When you are caught by the word of Jesus, proclaimed by his apostles and now manifest in the church, you aren't thrown into the deeps, but you are brought into true life. When that happens to a fish, it means death. But when it happens to you, it means life. Life as it really should be. Life set free from sin. Life set free from paralysis. Life set free to worship God without fear. Free to obey his commandments. Who cares what the world thinks? Free to haul off into the deeps when Jesus says, go into the deeps. So then, what does Christ's word call you to do on this 4th of July? Does he call you into the middle of the lake of Gennesaret to throw out nets and catch a big bunch of fish? Certainly not. But he does call you to be a people set apart, a people who go out into the deeps, so to speak, holy and distinct. And at his word, there is true freedom. We're going to remember freedom today, right? And I hope that you do celebrate freedom. It is a good thing. But the freedom of a Christian is far better far better than the freedom of an American. For the freedom of a Christian, the freedom that Jesus gives is this. Fear not. Your sins are taken away. 
And where that freedom is, where that freedom comes to you, where you take that freedom to heart, then you can respond, not just, thank God for the 4th of July, but you can say, nevertheless, at your word, Jesus, set out into the deep, Jesus says. Why? What's out there? Well, go with him and find out. To Christ be the glory now and always. Amen.